So years ago, I was in Bible college, long time ago, when I was in Bible college, and every week we would do a chapel, and it was often student-led, or they'd bring in a guest speaker or whatever, and this one particular chapel, one of my fellow students, she brought a friend of hers that she had been sharing the gospel with, and this young lady was interested in Jesus and, and so forth, and she brought her to chapel, and she asked Pastor Russ, who is my mentor in, in ministry in many ways, and she asked Pastor Russ to pray over him. And um, he began to pray over her, and she, like, passed out. She fell out. And she was laying on the ground kind of with this really eerie laugh. And I'm freaking out at this point, right? Who, who wouldn't? Well, we came to find out that she had dabbled in witchcraft and in the occult and things like that younger in her life, had opened herself up to some demonic activity. And Pastor Russ began to pray over her and cast out the demon. I saw this before my very eyes. She went from the weird look and the weird laughing to in her right mind, and she's been forever free since that moment walking with Jesus. And I remember telling Pastor Russ afterwards, I was like, I took him aside. I was like, that freaked me out. He goes, freak me out too. And I was like, okay, I'm in good company here. Um, another experience that I had in, in this realm was when I was a youth pastor, I took a, one of my leaders with me up to Pearl Street Mall in Boulder. We were going to film this man on the street sort of deal of what people believed about eternal life. And um, we're talking to different people, and people say this and that. And got to this one strange guy, just to be nice to him. He was very strange. And he sat down on a bench somewhere, and he just, he would talk about God and spirituality. and went on and on. And I was kind of getting bored, like I had to, you know, hold the mic. And finally, I just, I remember I said, well, who's Jesus Christ? And all of a sudden, his eyes turned this really weird on me and looked at me in the eye and said, this conversation is over. He bolted. I saw the authority of the name of Jesus Christ right in my midst there. He could talk about God, the concepts, this and that. When I said, who's Jesus, changed everything. Well, we're in a series called Let There Be Light. We're looking at the conflict between light and darkness. It's a, a real battle that's happen, happening. We know that Jesus won the war against the darkness by what he did. He's, he's champion. But there's still a battle that goes on. And there's still this forces behind the scenes that are trying to bully us as believers, bully people, harass people. The only way the enemy can hurt God is by hurting his children. And that's where the battle uh, lines up. And, and so today I got a really touchy-feely message on who or what is Satan. So if you're a guest with us, buckle up. I'm sorry. But what we're trying to do is answer questions about the conflict between light and darkness. What does the scriptures teach and say about this conflict so that we can be equipped to walk 
to walk in the freedom, to walk in the authority of who we are in Jesus, not to take it lightly. So our main text this morning is out of Ephesians chapter 6. I'm going to begin in verse 10. The Apostle Paul writes, he says, A final word, be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so you'll be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you will be standing firm. Stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness. For shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you will be fully prepared. In addition to all of these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Pray in the Spirit at all times and in, on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. So answering questions about the conflict between light and dark. The first question we answered two weeks ago was, why is there darkness? If God is light and in Him there is no darkness at all, why is there darkness? What happened? And we talked about the, the fact that God created a heavenly family before he created Adam and Eve. And some of that heavenly family, the angels, these divine beings, chose to rebel against God. And that becomes this, what Paul's talking about here, the rulers and authorities, the unseen world that we, we can't see with our eye, but they're active in this world. And then last week, we talked about who's in charge. We talked about the authority of Jesus. And how he stormed the gates of hell, literally. If you were here, you, you, you learned about what the gates of hell really were, a real place in Israel. And Jesus took on darkness. He undid the work of Adam in his fall, but he also confronted the darkness. And he unplugged the power of these authorities and rulers. Now they only have the power that we allow them to have. And so we're walking in that. So today... Who is Satan? Now, all kinds of images probably conjure in our, our mind of who, who is Satan. And we don't really, like, it's, it's an interesting thing because is Satan a being or a concept that is a collection of evil spirits, evil fallen creatures? Um, Jesus said, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Something happened there. And when you read the Old Testament, you don't, you don't get a whole lot about Satan. He doesn't, we, we didn't know much about this other realm until Jesus came along and, and he was confronting demons and casting out demons and confronting the darkness. But the word Satan in Hebrew is ha-Satan, meaning the Satan. So there's more of a, that kind of a title versus a name. We see in the book of Job, Satan goes before the throne of God in heaven and accuses Job before God and is accusing God. And then in Zechariah, 
the name Satan is also used. And then in 2 Samuel 24, it's very strange language. Um, it says in 2 Samuel 24, 1, that the Lord incited David to take a census. Of the, he wasn't supposed to do that, but it says the Lord incited him. Then you read in 2 Chronicles 21, verse 1, it says Satan incited David. So you start going, what in the world is going on in this interchange here? Jesus said that the devil, Satan, was a, li- a liar and a murderer from the beginning. And sometimes we say, well, Satan was a good angel who fell. You can make a case for that, but you're not good if you were a liar and a murderer from the beginning. So you've got to kind of go a little bit below the surface and start to understand what did Jesus mean by that. There's a verse in Revelation 12, verse 9, where you get four titles for, for Satan. It says, and the great dragon, title number one, was thrown down, that ancient serpent, think Genesis chapter 3, who is called the devil and Satan, the deceiver of the whole world. He was thrown down to the earth, and his angels were thrown down with him. So we see this, something happened in eternity past before, you know, God creates Adam and Eve. There was some sort of rebellion, and a third of the angels fell with Satan. To They were cast down to the earth. That was their initial punishment, kicked out of heaven, cast down to earth. When I think or teach about Satan, the devil, I just call him the evil one. And that kind of just encapsulates everybody <laughs> included in that conversation, right? He's the evil one. So whether you're talking about a demon or the devil or whatever, it's evil. And he's the evil one. So from here on out today, um, I want to focus on this title of, of the word devil or the devil. That's what we're going to kind of get our picture from. In Greek, and I believe Spanish, the word for devil, devil is diablos. Diablos. Am I right, Francisco? Oh. I didn't ask you. <laughs> I asked Francisco. Hello. Hola. Um, anyway, how do you say it in Spanish? Oh, okay. Jeez. One little S. Diablos in Greek and not Spanish is the word for devil. And it literally means slanderer, accuser, adversary. In 1 Peter 5, you, many of you are probably familiar with that verse where it, Peter says that the devil goes around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. So it's the devil. It's the translation from Diablos into English, devil. In 1 Timothy chapter 3, Paul is talking about church leadership. And he says that he doesn't want church leaders' wives to be slanderers. Literally in the Greek, that they would not be diablos. So, man, that rang my chimes there. When we're gossiping, slandering, accusing, we are being the mouthpiece of Diablos. He's just moving our mouth. I don't want that, nor do you. We've got to be very careful. We are called out 
of the way of this world to not gossip, to not slander, to not bring accusations that are unfounded to people or talk behind their back. That's not the way of Jesus. That's the way of Diablos. This past week, I had the privilege of ministering to a group of world pastors and, and, and leaders at Joshua Nation's retreat up in YMCA of the Rockies. And I gave a message, and then I did this time of encouragement to the pastors. I was just like, where are you discouraged? I want to try to encourage you. And this couple from Sierra Leone in Africa, this beautiful couple, pastor of church, they said that right after lunchtime in this afternoon, they got a phone call from one of their people bringing all these accusations and slander to them. That wasn't true. I said, my friend, you got diablosed. And I began to explain this, that, that the devil is working behind that. You have to be aware of his schemes and all of that. We need to as well. He's a liar and a murderer. We don't want to participate in what his name actually, actually means. In sports, teams, players will watch game film of their opponent learn their strengths, learn their weaknesses. You get a scouting report, right? In baseball right now, the guys are, everything they do, they pull their hats out and they have a scouting report, where to position your feet and this and that for your, your, posi- your position you're playing on the field. Well, scouting report number one on the devil is he's been defeated. Don't ever forget that. Jesus came to defeat the works of the devil, John says in, in 1 John. He's been defeated. Jesus defeated the evil powers by his submission to death and his resurrection. He didn't come with weapons of war and swords and tanks and nuclear bombs. He came in humble submission to death to be raised to new life, never to die again. The devil can't touch Jesus. But even though he's defeated... The battle still continues. This is what we have to remember. He's defeated. If we live from the understanding that he's defeated, then we can fight the battle in a different way instead of feeling like we're defeated all the time. He's, a defe- he's defeated, but he's still a terrorist. I love the show Man vs. Wild, Bear Grylls. Anybody know Bear Grylls? He eats some pretty gross things like and does some gross stuff. Like He'll catch a snake and he'll cut its head off and... The snake's mouth will still be moving, and he's like, digs a hole, and he'll bury it or whatever. <laughs> and he's like, even though the, the head was cut off, those fangs can still get, put venom in you if you stepped on it or touched, touched it. That's the picture we need to have of the devil. Jesus cut his head off, but he still has venom. He's still trying to terrorize because he's called in the New Testament the ruler of this world. I thought God's the ruler of this world. He is. God is, through Jesus, is slowly, one person at a time, one nation at a time, taking his world back. But Satan's called the ruler of this, this age, the ruler of this world. And so he's, he's still around until the end comes. Paul said in verse 12, he said, For we're not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world against mighty powers in this dark world and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. I love this quote from C.S. Lewis. 
He said, there are two equal and opposite errors into which Christians can have about the devil. One is to disbelieve his existence. The other is to have an unhealthy interest in him. The devil is equally pleased by both errors. We are to have a healthy respect for a divine created being that has power beyond what what you and I have. But we also have to remember we're in Jesus. We are in Jesus, the one whom the devil shudders at. The one whom the evil world shudders at. We remember the authority of Jesus. So let's, let's give a little more of the scouting report of the devil. A couple things. First of all, the devil and the demons are fallen angels. We see that. Fallen divine beings. Jesus said, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Revelation says that the devil and his, his angels fell as well. Before God created humanity, he had this heavenly family that chose to rebel. They make up the evil world around us. When you, you study, you see that the, the evil one, the serpent, was, was jealous of God's special creation in Adam and Eve, in humanity. And he knew what God had said, that if they eat of the tree, they'll die, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So his scheme, his plan was, I'm going to deceive them, they'll eat, they'll die, and I'll win. Had no idea that God had a plan of redemption before the beginning of time. Jesus is the lamb slain before the foundation of the world. God had this plan. He has no plan B. He's got a plan A. He's sticking to it until redemption is fully uh, understood by humanity. All the nations, every tribe, every tongue, and creation, he'll recreate the heavens and the earth. Next week, I'm going to talk about angels. Anybody ever heard a sermon on angels? So, two of you. I haven't really either. And I've never preached. And yet, as I've been studying more and more of the Old Testament and and realizing, man, the the supernatural unseen realm is not mythology. It's real. And we in our modern world kind of tend to put the supernatural on a shelf. And yet, when you read Scripture, that's not how Jesus lived. our, Our whole faith is based on something supernatural in the miracle of the resurrection of Jesus. Let's never... Forget that. The second thing about the devil is, as I've already said, he's a liar and a murderer right from the lips of Jesus. He comes to kill, steal, and destroy. He wants to murder that little bug that flew in my face. He wants to to murder our innocence. He's in the business of stealing our innocence from the time we're born. That's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil is, is having our innocence robbed from us. And he's an intimidator. He's looking for lives to destroy. So don't forget that. He wants to destroy our lives. I was, as I was preparing this, it was Friday, and uh, our little dog Daisy is like part rabbit. She's got a fast heartbeat. She's scared of everything, her own shadow. And lately, Thunder has been really freaking her out. Like, we'll find her hiding somewhere in some obscure place in the house. And uh, it was just her and I, and she was on the couch, and a jet flew over our house. 
And it was loud. I kind of looked out the window. Wow. It's Red Dawn. What's going on here? You know, and a couple people from the 80s got that. Um, and all of a sudden I looked for Daisy and she was gone. And I was like, Daisy? And I went into our closet and she had burrowed her way into my hanging clothes and was just freaked out. <laughs> that jet scared her and intimidated her. That's what the enemy wants to do. He wants to freak us out, cast fear into us, sow fear into our lives. Years ago, I was doing dishes at the kitchen sink. And I started, I had a vision of this. I had a vision of our church, our culture, our community, our impact that we would have on people. I started dreaming about that. And I heard a voice say, if you do that, I'll ruin your life. I went, what? <laughs> there was nobody around me. He tried to ruin my life. He tried to ruin my life. He didn't try to ruin my life after planting Novation. He tried to ruin my life before. And what he tried to do in ruining my life, God turned it around and worked it for good. And he's worked it for good for not just me, but for many people that have uh, the relationships, the community, you know, and all of that. He tried to ruin it before, and God said, okay, you're trying to sow your evil. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bless Scott, and I'm going to turn all this garbage for good. And he did. I'm living proof of Romans 828. He's an intimidator. Don't listen. Thirdly, he's an accuser. The devil is an accuser. He accuses God to us daily. If God really loved you, you wouldn't be going through what you're going through. If God really loved you, you wouldn't have got that report from the doctor. If God really loved you, You'd have more provision, so on. Those are all his accusations about God. He's the accuser. That's what Diablos, devil, means. But he also accuses us to us. He teases sin out of us, tempts us, and then he uses the law against us. If you were really a good Christian, you wouldn't say that. If you really believed, you wouldn't do that. I know I'm not the only person that's heard that voice before. He's an accuser. We have to remember that. And then the devil masquerades as an angel of light. He masquerades as an angel of light. It says that in 2 Corinthians. You can go to the next slide. Yeah, thank you. 2 Corinthians eleven fourteen. He masquerades as an angel of light. He doesn't come with a pitchfork and horns in this scary thing. We've created that. He comes masquerading as an angel of light. He is a wolf disguised as a sheep. Like this. Remember the, sh the movie Hoodwinked? See the little wolf coming out of the top sheep there, harassing the sheep? How, about, how many people have seen Hoodwinked? You watch kid movies? It's about Little Red Riding Hood. And it's a little... And he's the, the wolf is dressed in sheep's... Like a sheep talking to him. I thought I needed to lighten it up somehow in the middle of this. That I'll take note that that didn't go over very well. <laughs> Continuing in our scouting report, 
The devil is a schemer and a tempter. He's a schemer and a tempter. He's a deceiver. Adam and Eve got deceived about who God was and could they trust God. They got deceived. And he's always trying to do that to us. Remember, Jesus went, you know, 40 days into the wilderness. He went 40 days into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And it's interesting, the Jewish culture back then in the Bible, you know, Old Testament times, they believed that the evil world lived in the wilderness. And so here's Jesus confronting the darkness and going out and being tempted in every way like you and I, yet without sin. I was, he did that on our behalf. He defeated sin by his life, death, and resurrection on our behalf. And then the devil leads the world astray. That's the enemy. He's the evil one at work. How do we stand against the devil? How do we stand against the devil? Remember, first of all, he's defeated. There are two kingdoms. There's the kingdom of light and there's the kingdom of dark. And that's, that's going to continue on until Jesus returns and sets it all straight. Now, there's a little bit of homework I want to give you. If you're taking notes, write down Colossians 1.13. I'm going to memorize it. I want you to memorize it. I think it'll be very, very helpful. It says, He has delivered us, Jesus, has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of His beloved Son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. That's good news. We've been transferred from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. So what our life is from there is learning how to walk as children of light. How do we reflect the light of the world? How do we be the light of the world? We're growing in that. We fail, we're imperfect, but he is working this process in us of being children of light. So a couple things about this. How do we stand against the devil? First of all, you got to remember whose you are. Remember whose you are. He said, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. The more you and I know Jesus, who he is, how he operates, the more we nurture our relationship, the vine and the branch relationship, the more you realize Man, I am with Jesus. I am with the one who created all things, who sustains all things, who all authority in heaven and on earth have been given to him. You're with him. When you're with him, that's how we be strong in the Lord. Our strength is not in us. We go through trials and we try too much. I try too much in my own strength. And in these situations, when you find yourself in difficulty, we don't need willpower. I need real power. And that's his power. That's, that's the power. My will, you know, it's, it's up and down depending upon the day. But his power in us is real power. It's in the one to whom we belong. Let, let, let him fight your battles. Let Jesus fight your battles. I say it again. Darkness shudders at Jesus. Shudders. Second thing to stand against the devil is resist the enemy. You got to resist. He says, 
Therefore, after the battle, you will be standing firm, stand your ground. And then James says, resist, submit therefore to God, resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. Stance is important on resisting. When I was in high school, I was a 145-pound offensive guard, so I played baseball. <laughs> That's a, that, that short-lived. 145-pound guard, but I actually had pretty good technique for a, for a little guy and, and, and could hold my own. And it all that is about when you're on the line of scrimmage in football is about leverage, right, and, and your proper stance. And so years ago, I, co- I coached middle school football for three years, and most of the kids that I coached had never played football before. And we would teach them how to get in a proper stance. And they would come out and they would get in a stance like this. And they put their finger on the ground. And I would, I would just go by, boop, push them on, on their butts to show them, like, you need to get your legs spread and get into a proper stance. Come on, Brian. Let's bring it on. <laughs> get, get my quarterback. No, I'm kidding. But then when you're in a proper stance, I would push them and they would, it clicked for them. Ah, Widen my stance. When it comes to the spiritual life, we resist. We get in a proper stance in resisting the enemy. And I would say this. Don't spend your time yelling at the devil. Spend your time talking to Jesus. Spend your time in in, in the Word of God. We're never told to rebuke the devil in Scripture. God rebukes the devil. We resist, we're to resist temptation, resist gossip, resist slander, recognize those voices that are trying to tell you that God doesn't love you or or what if this doesn't work out, all these fearful things, they're always little seeds of the enemy. So seeds to be deceitful. Hey, Scott, no one's looking. Go ahead. I mean, where's that coming from? That's not coming from God. We got to recognize those voices, the voices of discouragement. And we're all prone to discouragement. It's easy. Life is filled with discouragement. So we resist the evil one by encouraging ourselves in the Lord. So then Paul continues on how do we stand against the devil? I'll put it this way. Get dressed for battle every day. Get dressed for battle every day. He says... uh, Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so you'll be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you'll be standing firm. Getting dressed in this metaphorical, spiritual armor that he's talking about, that's how we stay strong in the Lord. A couple things about this. How do we do that? How do we get dressed for battle? Put on his truth every day. Put on His truth. In John 8, Jesus said, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Well, we quote that often. The context is, is Jesus is saying, when you do what I say to do, when you put into practice, when you become my disciple, then you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. It's not some mystical out there thing of this freedom. It's when I put into practice what Jesus says to do, you walk in freedom because he's the truth. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. He is reality. So Paul says, stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth, hold your britches up, and the, and the body armor of God's righteousness. 
I would say this, three things. Remind yourself every day about the truth of who Jesus is. He's all authority. He's the creator and sustainer of all things. He's your Lord and Savior, and He loves you immensely. Have your identity in the truth about Jesus. Faith is agreeing with Jesus about who He says He is and who He says you are. You are beloved by His Father. You're beloved by your Savior. And we have the Holy Spirit residing in us, affirming that to us. So remind yourself of the truth about Jesus. Remind yourself of the truth about you. You're loved. I just preached my whole point (laughs) there. Remind yourself of how loved you are. You're God's special, special creation. He loved you so much that he came to die in your place and for you, to give you life. And then remind yourself the truth about other people. When you begin to look at people as fellow image bearers of God, you see them different. When you begin to look at people, even the ones that tick you off in traffic, right? If you begin to see people as fellow image bearers and children of God, you'll see them differently. You say children of God, they just don't know it yet. They just don't know that they're children. And we need to remind them, hey, God loves you. He he gave his son for you. He created you. People need to recognize who they are. And if we see people differently, we'll treat them differently. We'll treat them with love and respect. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 10, he says, We are human, but we don't wage war as humans do. We use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down the strongholds of human reasoning and to destroy false arguments. We destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. We capture their rebellious thoughts and teach them to obey Christ. Take every thought captive. Let it line up with the truth about who Jesus is. Does my thought about the situation, the relationship, whatever it is, does it line up with the truth about who Jesus is? And then we put on his peace. We put on peace. He says, for, for shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news that you'll be fully prepared. Jesus made an incredible promise to us when he said to his disciples, my peace I leave with you. Not peace as the world gives. Worldly peace is based on my circumstances. If life is going good, then I'm at peace. Jesus is saying, in spite of your circumstances, I give you my peace. Learning to pursue peace, being peacemakers, forgiving overlooking faults as best as we can, pursuing peace with others as far as it depends upon us, not trying to always win an argument, not always having to be right. I'm preaching to me on that. It's so easy to want to win an argument or to be right rather than pursue peace. And I know that's the way Jesus walked when he walked this earth. And then walk in faith. Walk in faith. He says, in addition to all these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the evil one. Faith, according to Hebrews, is being sure of what we hope for and certain certain of what we do not see. That's what faith is. Man, many of you are going through difficulties right now. Life is difficult. And... God is increasing the size of your shield. 
through these difficulties. The more you watch God at work in your life through the difficulties of life, your faith shield just gets bigger and bigger to quench those fiery darts of the evil one. Your problems are not destroying you, they're developing you. If we can remember that, our problems in life are not destroying me, they're developing me. And then I need to change my thinking. If we're going to stand against the evil one, I've got to change my, my thinking. My thinking. <laughs> got to change my thinking. Put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. A helmet is there to protect your head. And what's inside your head is that gray matter called your brain, and your brain produces thoughts. And we, what we think leads to what we feel, and what we feel leads to how we behave. Thoughts lead to feelings. Feelings lead to behavior. When we have bad behavior in our life, we often try to just change our behavior, change this habit. I need to change my thinking so then my emotions line up with that. Then I'm able to, to behave differently. The Word of God changes us. We're transformed by the renewing of our mind. And then lastly, pray. How do you stand against the evil one? He's not going to like it when you're talking to Jesus and you begin to resist through prayer. He says, pray in the Spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. Prayer is just a continual connection with God. It's an attitude like, Lord, you're right here with me. I don't need, you to, I don't need to ask you to be with me. You are with me always, and I acknowledge that. When the enemy comes knocking, knock, knock, let Jesus answer the door. I'm, I'm serious. That might sound so cliche and cheesy, but man, that is the truth. When he comes knocking, you resist him and say, Lord, Lord, you deal with this. And he'll be right there with you. He lets you and I participate in this, this battle because he's already won. He's training us. He's developing us. We're going to go into a song. And would you stand and let's, let's sing and let's respond in faith. Let's respond in an act of our will and celebrate Jesus. And, and that he is triumph over the enemy, and we're learning how to stand our ground in this battle in a war that's already been won. Darkness, 
my God, that is who you are. Waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. You are here, touching every heart, I worship. that he provides, the life that he has given. May you come to know the Father through the Son and the Spirit in an intimate way to not walk in fear or doubts, 
but to walk in his love. May that truth be in your mind and in your heart. Let it permeate your soul. In Jesus' name, amen.